Greetings and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. This is Anita Kelly, and my guest today is Aoife Sheridan. Hi, Aoife. Hey, Anita. Lovely to meet you. And thank you so much for inviting me on the podcast. I'm really thrilled to be here. Thank you. Well, I am so happy to have you here with us today. Um, it is it is great to talk to you. It's my pleasure, my honor. Um, so, awesome. uh, so Aoife, I love your accent. Got to tell you that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good, good Irish brogue from Dublin. Uh, been in New York for three and a half years, so haven't lost my, my Irish brogue yet. So uh, I think I'll, I'll try and hang on to it. It's uh, definitely a, an accent that seems to be quite popular in the in the New York area. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. So I got to take my, my people hail from the County Kerry. Ah, okay. So in the southwest, probably one of our uh, most beautiful counties in Ireland. Actually, it's absolutely stunning there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have to agree. I have to agree. I want to get back Excellent. there. Yeah, definitely. Do, do it's 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 only getting better. So yeah, keep yeah. going. And Dublin's a fun city too. Yeah, it's, it is a fun city. You know, I mean, I grew up there. I always say, you know, maybe you need to grow up there to love it. Um, but. Because it's really, it's not like a beautiful city per se, but it is just full of beautifully funny, comedic people. And I think there's just, a, it's a very interactive city. So yeah. you will always come away with some amazing memories if you go there to visit, which I think is really great. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So Aoife, you have a book called Cut the Blue. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That was my first uh, novel. And um yeah, great, great fun. It was kind of one of those things where I, you know, was approaching 40. I always thought I want to write a novel. I thought, felt I had one in me somewhere. I didn't know what it was going to be about. And uh, I actually had a bit of a break between two jobs. So I had the kind of security of not having to look for a job. I knew one was starting about four months later. And I said, OK, uh, why don't I have a crack at, at, at writing uh, this book I've been talking about or thinking about for a long time and did a bit of research online about how you know like how do you write a book you know and literally typed those words into google <laughs> and read a few books i think stephen king's on writing was one i read which was great and generally the the thing was like just you know start writing and write something you know you know quality or sorry quantity versus quality and then also write something you know so i would be a voracious reader of you know thrillers spy novels mysteries crimes but also kind of comedic crimes and that's kind of where I landed with um cut the blue it is a kind of comedic crime caper if you will um it's set in Dublin again writing what I knew and it's based on a character called Floss McFarland who is this kind of unusual character who comes from a very kind of conservative family in Dublin and she has when we meet her she's kind of thrown in her very lucrative actuarial job in an insurance company uh, to become a private investigator and obviously everybody thinks she's crazy and kind of when we meet her she's two years into that journey I guess and she's also beginning to question why she left her well-paid job and um, you know because she's dealing with kind of small little kind of trite cases you know missing pets cheating spouses that type of stuff and I, I guess at the outside of the novel two kind of cases pop into her her inbox or into her lap and uh, there's kind of if you like plot a and plot b one is plot b is really just around a, a insider trading 
case, which is related to her previous career. And then plot A, the main thread is around a missing person. So a young Russian woman called Anna who goes missing and her best friend enlists Floss and the team at Cut the Blue Investigations to help her uh, find her friend Anna. And that's really the gist of the book. Um, There is a, a, you know, a whole host of characters, kind of I call them quirky Dublin characters Mm -hmm. who support Floss in her in her pursuits and um also there's you know as with most novels you kind of like to insert some sort of romantic interest and I kind of wanted to do something that just had a little bit of a twist to it so Floss herself is you know considers herself very heterosexual you know parents are very straight sisters a kind of alpha female very straight and she kind of sees herself that way fancies the local celebrity private investigator Milo McCarthy who's kind of this Dublin rogue but uh, very charming and a bit yeah a bit of a rascal she can't help fancying him but at the same time she finds herself kind of all of a sudden deeply deeply um, everybody's always plumping for uh, for Tash um, but she's this kind of Lara Croft James Bond but with a nice kind of sensitive side to her so she, she was a great really fun character uh, to write and I guess a lot of the novel in the backstory to the cases is really just kind of Floss kind of coping or, or really not coping with with that whole I guess um, realization that she might be able to have feelings for a woman so yeah it was just lots of fun to play with. Oh that sounds great it really does it sounds uh, like ad- there's some adventure in it um, and humor and yeah. Uh, romance. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is. I mean, you know, what I wanted to, if you think about it, it's like, it's, you know, you know, if you only read Margaret Atwood, this is definitely not for you. I wanted it to be kind of escapist and fun and not too heavy on the, you know, the thriller or crime side of it, even though it is a serious topic. It's not, you know, it's not trite by any, by any stretch, but it, I just wanted it to be fun and a, and a page turner that people could dive into it and forget about life for a while and, and have a bit of fun. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. So when did Cut the Blue come out? When did you publish that? Uh, it's actually about, I was trying to look up, actually, it's about eight years old now, I think. Um, oh, wow. So, you know, I'm horrified to find that eight years have passed since it went um, went out. But um, I do have a second book that's currently in, in train, and it is a, is a follow-up to Cut the Blue. It's taken a lot longer than I would have liked. Part of that is day job related, and part of it is um, I want, because I wanted it to be a like a, the next in the series, but mm-hmm. I also wanted to kind of stand on its own two feet okay. so that if somebody picked it up in a library, they would be able to read it without needing to have read the first one. So that was actually, you know, very difficult, you know, versus writing the first one, you've got basically a blank page in front of you, you can just go nuts and you don't have to have any continuity. But that kind of continuity thing definitely took me um, a long time t- to figure out. Uh, and then I had a bit of free time over the last few years in New York and definitely got a bit more time focused on it. So I'm pretty happy. I hope we tired in getting out um, early in the new year. So I'm kind of at second draft phase at the moment. So that's great. Great. I look forward to that. Do you have a title for that one? You know, it's a working title and it's pretty awful. It's, it, at the moment, it's called Splice the Nice, which doesn't make any sense at all. But um, I actually, I do have a friend who's a writing coach, a fantastic chap called Chris Wells. And I've asked him to kind of have a think about the title with me as well. He's also going to have a look at um, the novel just in general. Uh, he's a super character and super helpful. He's just great to bounce ideas off. But yeah, Splice the Nice is the working one. We'll see how I feel about that. Um, like Cut the Blue was... You know, I almost had the title before I started because I knew it was about that kind of 
you know, you know, cut the blue wire, cut the red wire, you know, diffusing a bomb situation where, and you're just like, oh, just cut the blue, just do that. Okay. And and that was that, you know, Floss's decision to kind of basically uproot her life and her nice comfy career and, and, and go into business by herself as a PI. So Okay, got it. All right. So splice the nice. I don't know. I don't know. It could work. Yeah. How does it sound to you? No, you're not sure? I'm, I'm not sure what it means, but uh, <laughs> Neither am I. Maybe that's part of the problem. I, I yeah, guess yeah, yeah. I, I interpret that as like cut cut the nice in in half, divide it. The yeah, it, I I almost can't say too much about it because that's part of maybe okay. this part of the plot in it as well. So, well, but, but it's uh, maybe it yeah, works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You will see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> glad. Space. It's it's difficult to write a sequel, right? Because you have yeah. to if you're having those same characters move forward you have to do a lot of character development that you wouldn't normally have to do if you're just writing a standalone um yes exactly yeah 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 Yeah, and you don't want to frustrate the other readers because you have to do a bit of you know background or context and you don't want to frustrate readers who know the characters and know the background um as well and then you don't want to give away what happened in the first one so yeah it's just kind of a an interesting uh challenge for sure yeah definitely so um how has as writing and and publishing um out of the blue changed your life um i would say it hasn't really changed my life per se i would say it has changed my my mindset would be the way i describe it because you know you know i was, I was kind of barreling along i'd write a bit of poetry and stuff like that dabble and have a bit of fun with it um write some short stories but never really anything serious i loved english in school mm-hmm. and then I once I started writing it's like as if it's like a valve is opened and I think it's your right brain I always never know what's left or right but I think the right brain is your creative one and um it's like it opens like Pandora's box you know it's like oh my god I've got all this you know stuff and way of thinking inside me that has been kind of suppressed for the last 20 years you know while I've been doing this you know very you know clear black and white day job without a lot of creativity so I think that was probably a huge piece of that meant that you know I'd be walking around when I was kind of in the middle of writing something walking around listening to people observing things with just a different lens than I would have been before you know you're busy just trying to get from A to B and worrying about stuff and work etc so it was a lovely escape uh, and also just I guess a different a different mindset and kind of wrote lots more poetry and you know just got involved with more writing groups um, as a result so yeah I think it's definitely become a, a super kind of means uh, uh, of an outlet from yeah I guess the, the the day job for sure yeah what is the day job well it's actually a timely question uh, that you should ask that because I in May so I want I have been an like an IT technology consultant so okay. you know did project management account management all sorts of various jobs and then in May this year I actually decided to take a bit of a breather I turned um I turned 50 and, you know, one of those kind of watershed moments where you're thinking, what what am I doing with my life and why am I pedaling so fast doing this? Why don't I go off and do something I want to do? Mm-hmm. And and also to give me a bit more room to write as well. Um, so actually over the summer, I signed up as an apprentice dog trainer with a fantastic organization in, in Manhattan, a small company um, run by Stacey Aldridge. She's an amazing person. Uh, yeah, so I just started doing that. So I spent my days... Um, with doggos running around training and having having great fun with them and their owners and yeah that, that's what I'm doing at the moment how fun that, yeah that yeah. is awesome yeah no it's great I'm delighted uh, it's definitely not as lucrative so it's definitely kind of life imitates uh, art in in terms of uh, 
Floss McFarland's decision. So maybe I took a bit of inspiration from her. Yeah, I'll say. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that is fantastic. Um, yeah, that really is. And then, and that seems more of a, um, yeah, I'll say of a creative job. It's not so, uh, scientific and, uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's actually, you know, it's a way less, you know, pressurized, just much more fun. You know, it's still very people oriented because, and I love working with people, you know, if you've been in consulting all your life, you, you know, you have to. And yeah. so, because I, you know, you're training the dogs, but you're also dealing with and training, you know, their owners as well. So it's um, that's kind of the side of it that I, I really like as well. But I mean, I've loved dogs since I was, you know, born. So um, I have my beautiful golden retriever lying by my side here at the moment. So Aww. yeah, it's all good. Nice, very nice. So you were born in Dublin, right? Um, Correct. And, yeah, that's right. And you mentioned that Cut the Blue takes place in Dublin. That's um, right. Yeah. But you are no longer living in Dublin. So Correct. Yeah. What what uh influenced your decision to move to the US? Yeah, that's it. It was actually a really straightforward one. So um my wife Melissa and I um we've been together for about 13 years, but we before we got together, we were both lived lots of different places, you know, separately. So all loads of different countries, but we actually had never lived together, you know, go and gone off on an adventure to live in a different country. And we both really enjoy that. It's such a nice way to experience a different culture and get to meet new people and have new experiences. And New York was always on our bucket list. It was like top of the list Um Shanghai randomly as well. But um, Mel, Melissa works for uh, LinkedIn, done a familiar, fantastic company. And yeah. Um, she got a promotion and an opportunity and she had we, the option to move to either New York or San Francisco. And we, we picked New York because it was on the bucket list and also because it's a little bit closer uh, to Dublin. So my my mom and all my brothers and their families are in in, in Dublin. So New York is a kind of handy hop back on a flight, um, yeah. whereas San Francisco is just that little bit longer and even just for phone calls to stay in touch. So, yeah, yeah so that was in early 2019. We moved across and yeah, just loving it. It's such a fantastic place. And it was actually not a bad place to be for, for COVID because it opened up very quickly post-pandemic. Um, and by that stage, we were lucky we had a bunch of friends who we all kind of looked after each other and were each other's kind of, I don't know, um, pandemic bubble, you know, and support yeah. groups. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, it was, it, it's been, it's been fun. You know, it's never a dull moment in New York. That's for sure. Wow. Good for you. Um, do you like uh, appreciate that move like um, or do you miss things about Dublin? Uh, I would say I don't necessarily meet, miss uh, places and I've, I've probably never been that person. You know, it's not it's not about the place. It's more about the people. So I definitely um, miss people. You know, sometimes you're like, God, I'd love to go and have a, you know, pint with my friend Rona or Dervla or whoever or you know hang out with my brothers and my mom you know so there's definitely that side of it yeah. but again since things have opened up we can back back and forth pretty quickly you know my mom was out for my 50th birthday earlier this year which was great oh, so nice uh, that that keeps if I get as long as I get a little fix every now and then that, that keeps me ticking along which oh, is nice okay awesome so your birthday's in May you say um that's right are yeah. you a Taurus yeah. I am a Taurus, yeah, oh, indeed. Okay, yeah. Are, you, are you a stubborn Irish woman? I, I would say I probably, yeah, I'd say what my wife would definitely say. <laughs> I'm a stubborn Taurine, um, 100% I definitely have. But I, you know, the good side, I have the loyal side as well. Yep. So, yeah, yep, no, yep. it's... Uh, 
Yeah, and I only say that because I am also. <laughs> ah, okay. There you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Are you are you stubborn as well, Anita? Um, you know, I like to say I'm determined. Okay, cool. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Maybe I'll use that. I'll yeah. borrow that phrase. All right, there you go. It works. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, since living in New York, right? Your um, your name is Eva, and um, it's spelled A O I. F-E, which is, right, the Gaelic way of spelling it, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the Gaelic version of Eve or Eva. Um, so, yeah, it's, <laughs> I know in New York, it's like, New Yorkers are pretty good with it, actually, really? I, I find. Yeah, I would say because it's a huge Irish population here, you know, there are, you meet some people who've met another Eva. Um, so, but I would say that's about like 20%, like two out of 10 would, you know, be able to pronounce it or have heard it before. But what New Yorkers do, it's pretty clever. They kind of just ignore my first name and use my share, my second, my family name. They're so like, if I'm in a doctor's office, they'll like go, uh, is uh, Miss Sheridan here? <laughs> and they just <laughs> give up on the, the EVA altogether. Whereas other places I've lived, like I lived in New Zealand for a long time and there wasn't very, very many people in New Zealand our Irish people, sorry, in New Zealand uh, when I was there yeah. and Aoife was a completely different name. And it actually almost sounds like a Pacific Island name. So, you know, yeah. I was called Aoife, Aoife, Alf, Effie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, all sorts of names. So as soon as somebody had a go at it, you know, you just you'd correct them and they would be like, they would repeat it. But then as soon as people see it written down again, they just can't remember it. It's just whatever it is about the name. But if I'm spelling it phonetically, I always just say E-E-F-A. That's funny. That's how I phonetically spelled it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's definitely. Yeah. But yeah, I think it. I. It's a nice icebreaker. It used to be a great icebreaker in business, you know, because people would see your business cards and you used to carry those around back in the day, and people are like, "What is that name?" And you know, that would start the conversation going, which was always nice. Yeah, yeah. So you think business cards are a thing of the past? I I haven't had one in a while, actually. Yeah. So I. Yeah. I think, I think they probably are, you know, with kind of LinkedIn and signatures and, you know, it's, it's kind of probably a bit of a waste of a tree, I think, at this stage. Yeah. And I think uh, since the pandemic, we haven't had a lot of like yeah, uh, human contact. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 You know, there's no place to give them out. So. Exactly. Or they'd be kind of smothering them in, you know, um, what you call that stuff, the, the, the hand sanitizer. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> the, the words would get blurred. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So um, I have to tell you, I first saw you um, and your wife um, when you were on the show Room to Improve. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I can't believe somebody in America has seen that show. How I that love possible? that show. I love that show. So my wife and I, all we really watch is uh, BritBox, Acorn TV. Um, okay. We love all the British, Irish, Scottish shows like yes yeah okay i see so so room to improve bubbled up there and do you like the kind of design you know home improvement style show as well yeah definitely definitely yeah. and uh i, I don't know i want what's your take on on dermot ben bannon uh he's look he is a like fantastic character first of all he is a brilliant architect you know some people hate him some people love him we absolutely loved him everything he does we would have watched the show beforehand um, before going on it and loved pretty much everything he did you oh, know good. you know we're n we're not like country cottage people we're like kind of modern stuff and um yeah he you know 
he is a brilliant architect. He is so funny and so much fun. And exactly as you see him on the show, that's exactly as he is in real life. There's no, you know, difference. He's not a, you know, persona, you know, we'd be filming outside the house and he would make all the time to stop and chat to people. And, you know, just a really nice guy. But like, you know, I'm sure... He's an absolute rogue as well. Like, you know, (laughs) disaster at the budgeting, disaster at time management, you know, project management. So, you know, I'd be a project manager. So that was kind of tough. But he's just such a charming, funny, lovely fella that you just can't be annoyed with him for very long. So, yeah, Yeah. look, we had a great laugh on the show. It was so much fun. It was a great experience. And we got an incredible house out of it. So feel very, very lucky with that. Yeah, he did a great job for you guys. He really did. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, it was transformational. Yeah. How did you, did you have to like apply to be on the show? And, and they just. Picked- we did. Yeah. It was just kind of, yeah, very, I don't know why we even thought of it. I think we're probably a little bit strapped for cash and you get, you get um, the, you know, Dermot comes free with the oh, show. And okay. then you also would get quite a huge discounts on all the contractors because they get effectively free coverage and exposure from the show. And it has a huge viewership in Ireland um, like it was the most second most popular program seriously at the time we were filmed yeah it's absolutely massive and um, so so we basically I was like why don't we put an application and you know see where it goes didn't hear anything for ages to the point where we actually engaged we'd bought this funny little house you know you know ugly little house but sitting in a stunning location on the coast in in Dublin and um, the we got an architect who was going to help us with that. We were paying him, obviously, and we were kind of in the planning process when Room to Improve rang and said, look, we think he'd be great for the show. And we said, sorry, you know, we've started engaging. We're too far along with this existing architect, so we better just keep going with that. And about a month later, the planning kind of was rejected and not just like rejected. It was like booted or batted out of the ballpark. They're like, there's no way this is going ahead. So we're kind of back to square one and almost like the same day or the next day room to approve rang again the producer rang and said hey look you we have one shot you know slot left on the next series and it's a non-planning so you don't we can only work within the bounds of the house and we were like sign us up <laughs> you know we've already kind of spent money and we've got nothing for it so you know planning we're sick of planning we don't want to do any more planning so that's kind of how we landed we had a chat with the producer chat with Dermot who I you know for him it was the project it was such an interesting project for him yeah uh, and and it was close to his home area in Dublin so he was he was all over it so yeah nice that was kind of serendipitous then that uh, yeah I, I yeah. always say it was kind of meant to be like the fact that they called us twice was kind of I would say probably unusual so uh and just that they had that one slot so it was great yeah that is great yeah that was a good show and I, I love him he's uh you know I, I think um sometimes he uh, I don't know. Sometimes he's he's full of shite. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah. Couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. uh, you know, he he is fun and he knows what he's doing. He he's yeah. you know, really good at what he does. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think I'm, like some of the best parts of the house were the kind of funny little touches he kind of came up with during the process and you know there's some of my favorite parts of the house like he'd say like we need to put a bookshelf in here it'll really finish it and you know honestly they're the things that you that really stand out now so yeah he's a genius on the old architecture front yeah he is that's great that's awesome so that's how I became acquainted with you and there you uh, go I was wondering how you uh, came across me actually yeah as soon as I'm not quite you know world famous yet so yep that's it well now you will be being on the show you know there you go yeah (laughs) catapult people stop me in the street (laughs) 
<laughs> so uh tell me what is uh it's called what uh girls right now what is that all oh, about? oh yeah yep yeah, so that is an organization, an amazing organization that I got involved with since I was, I've been in New York. So I kind of wanted to do some volunteering and I thought, oh, why not do something that's related to writing? Because it's, um, you know, probably a good use of my skills and came across this organization through a friend of mine, the wonderful Cindy Ferran, and she introduced me to um, the program, which the, basically what they're about is they try and help girls what they would describe as underserved communities kind of find their creative writing voice through this kind of community and a platform and a whole network of mentors and the the girls um, or women young women and or women identifying are um you know from all walks of life you know typically women of color or first gen- generation immigrants or lgbtq plus or underserved communities where they don't have you know enough resources or opportunities or kind of any mixture of all of the above Mm -hmm. and so the idea is they just give them the chance you you get paired so I would have been a mentor in their writing 360 program so I was paired with a mentee and you work together for a year we've actually worked together for two years now and you meet every week not in the summer but the rest of the year every week to for an hour and you write together and you know kind of spitball have fun chat you know solve the world's problems and also kind of work on their portfolio so there's a couple of I guess assignments throughout the year but then there's a whole pile of workshops to help kind of stimulate their creativity I mean it's an absolutely amazing organization like do check it out it's girls right as in w-r-i-t-e uh, org um sorry girls right dot org okay. um, and you know if any if you have interest in or any of your listeners have any interest in becoming a mentor or mentee it's a, an absolutely brilliant organization and they used to be just in new york but with the pandemic they have uh, remote pr- participants now as well so it's kind of much more uh, broadly accessible across the country which is great wonderful wow that sounds like an amazing program um, it is absolutely like honestly i got as much i probably i don't know maybe i got more out of it than my mentee but i had so much fun you know like they have you making podcasts or making you know um websites or you know book covers or just and every meeting you meet you you start with like a writing prompt just to get your creative juices so it was a brilliant way to kind of maybe still be doing my day job but staying kind of connected to the kind of creative writing world if I wasn't getting around to doing my book so yeah it was yeah, great Yeah, that is wonderful that's great so I, I'm definitely going to check it out it's called girlsrightnow.com girlsrightnow.org dot org okay yeah dot org all right all right yeah um so um does is your wife supportive of your writing um is she yeah no absolutely yeah look I mean if you mesh Mal she's like this legendary character she's absolutely amazing and in fairness when I started writing I actually wrote it for her not not for her but with her in mind um so I you know was writing stuff that would make her laugh stuff that would make her turn the page and keep reading because she's not a huge reader and um yeah so she was my first reader and I you know I hadn't told a soul that I was even going to write a book I was just going to I just kind of started doing it and not not even her like it was like a total experiment but I gave her the first few chapters and I could hear giggling away while she was mm-hmm. reading and it was just a huge boost um for my confidence because I didn't think of myself as a writer and yeah it really gave me the encouragement to keep 
to keep going. And even at the end, she was like, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I was like, I don't believe you because you're my wife and you love me too much. I have to give <laughs> other people the chance to read it and get like some more objective uh, readership. But yeah, no, she's amazing. She's always trying to find ways for me to get more time to write, which is great. You know, Aww. you don't always have that. No. Um, and yeah, so really, really lucky in that regard. That's great. That's awesome. Nice. Nice. That's so sweet, too, that you were writing with her in mind. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's actually a nice way because otherwise you're thinking about who's my target audience and just gets a bit too, you know, you might be trying to please everybody. So it made it easier for me anyway. That's for sure. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. That's a great idea too. Yeah, you're right. When when you're trying to write, you're thinking about the audience. So if it's you know, it can be a little overwhelming, you know, as it's right, is sure. this, you know, but hey. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when I was writing it, all the kind of vampire things, you know, were coming out and, you know, some of the things I was researching were saying, you know, vampire things are all the rage. But I was like, I don't know anything about vampires. I can't write about vampires, you know. So it was like, <laughs> just stick stick to the knitting, I think is the, the phrase. So, yeah. Stick to the knitting. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I read somewhere that your mom, your mum wrote a review <laughs> on cut the blue and she did yeah yeah uh -huh. no it's it's kind of funny you know I was of all the people that I didn't want to read the book my mom was probably ah. the, the big the the top of the list right because you know there's obviously if you deem your moments kind of sex scenes in the book and <laughs> I remember actually when I wrote them I you know was writing thinking god my mom may actually read this and it was funny when Rel, mel my wife read those chapters she was like uh-uh do it again you're writing as if your mom is standing over your shoulder and i was like she is she is oh my goodness so yeah so i had a few attempts at those i'd say i'd say probably at least three um to get them to an acceptable <laughs> level that wasn't 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 so mom friendly but probably more reader friendly so yeah that was the story there but no she's she's amazing she had uh she was making all of her friends buy the book. <laughs> so, yeah, she's a, an avid supporter. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Did, did that make you blush when your mom said, hey, I read your book? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be her style. Of, I mean, it wouldn't be not her style, but it wouldn't be the top one she'd pick. Um, but, yeah, I think she was as surprised as I was that I wrote it. So it was kind of funny. Yeah, oh, but she enjoyed cool. it. Cool. Did your brothers read it? They did, yeah, yeah, they all did. So yeah, Wonderful. that makes me blush even more. Yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah, I can't imagine my brother's reading a book I wrote. No way. Yeah. <laughs> so wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so, um, Eva, that's about all the time we have for today. Um, but brilliant. Well, listen, thank you so much. Really enjoyed the chat, Anita, and uh, I'll continue to listen into the show. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, it has been a pleasure talking with you. And listeners, uh, Aoife Sheridan is our author today, and her book is called Cut the Blue. Check it out. Um, takes place in Dublin. Uh, has a comedic side to it. A little adventure thriller um, and, and romance, of course. Um, so, <laughs> so that's all the time we have for today. I'm Anita Kelly, and thanks for joining Liz. Talk about books, baby. Until next time, may your journey be lighthearted. Peace be plenty and be safe, folks.